May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Forget the Power Five conferences. Is college football destined to be whittled down to a Power Two? Hello, it's Friday, April 8th. I'm Brendan Marcello, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. Big money continues to separate the haves and have-nots in college athletics, and we might be quickly approaching an inflection point for college football as well as most powerful conferences try to outmaneuver each other at the negotiation table. And the Big Ten and the SEC appear to be the big winners. According to a new study from the research firm Navigate, the two conferences are projected to nearly double their fellow Power Five conference mates in average payouts by the end of this decade. Average team payouts will eclipse $105 million in the SEC and $94.5 million in the Big Ten. What makes this research so interesting is the timing. More money is on the way for everyone. The college football playoffs expect to expand in 2026, and the Big 12 and Pac-12 will soon hit the open market here within the next three years, hoping to lock up larger media rights deals as their current contracts expire with national networks. So why are the SEC and Big Ten set to still dominate the financial landscape? We chatted with Matt Balvance, the Senior Vice President for Analysis and Innovation at Navigate Research, who helped author this study. What's the future hold for college football? And how might we even see the metaverse affect the sport we all love? Let's follow the money with Matt. I've always been very fascinated with what Navigate does as far as estimating and, and looking at the future of college athletics and other, and other issues. But this recent study, I guess you call it a study, that you guys put together back in early March about Power 5 average payouts for per team and just and what we're looking at, the skyrocketing of the Big Ten and the SEC's payouts and their revenue beginning really in 2000 looks like 25 26 as these meteorites deals start to start to to come open especially for the Big 10 that was fascinating to me because not to say other conferences are leveling off but the growth rate is is insane for the SEC and Big 10 uh, when you started looking into this with your partners there at Navigate what, what what really started sticking out to you about the potential earnings for these two conferences in particular I think the forecast surprised us as well. And But when we look at the drivers and take a step back, it really isn't all that surprising. So, you know, you start with the SEC, they're going to get a big boost from a new ESPN deal here soon. They were drastically underpaid with that old CBS deal. So that'll kick in. And the adding of Oklahoma and Texas, we believe will kind of raise the average viewership for all of those conference games. It's just more uh, top-heavy competition. And so we see a big boost there. And then with expansion and CFP coming up soon, and if those if those payouts are more equitable than they are today um, with a 12-team or an 8-team model with the success the, a- the SEC has had, I mean, that's kind of a triple triple boost to what they're doing. But then 
you know, you look at the other conferences, they all kind of have a storyline. The Big Ten, still strong, really passionate, solid performance from top to bottom, some expiring media rights in a market where media rights are in very high demand. So just great timing for them again to hit the market. And the other three, they all have their storylines. The Big 12 sort of losing a big chunk of their viewership, but filling that gap back in with four new schools who are pretty solid schools. So not a dip for the Big 12, but kind of, you know, continuing on, but also not seeing that big growth from continuing with Texas and Oklahoma. ACC decided to lock in a long-term deal for a while, a decision they made, you know, pros and cons to everything. A con is just not getting that big financial boost earlier on. Um, And then the Pac-12, we see some growth there, but again, not a lot of success to point to recently. And that market, kind of the West Coast, such an influx of pro teams lately. And I think the media analysts see ratings and passion and notice that maybe that isn't as strong as it could be. So high level, that's kind of what we're seeing. And yeah, you get because of all these forces, some separation for sure. Yeah, these figures that you guys put out, I just want to quickly recap it for everybody watching this. By 2029, the estimates per team payout in the SEC, $105.3 million, incredible. And the Big Ten just behind at $94.5 million. Of course, right now, the Big Ten is just a little bit above the SEC in in those payouts, but that could all change as we start seeing these media rights deals be uh, negotiated starting in 2025. And when we were talking about the college football playoff, obviously we don't quite know what's going to happen there. And and I believe the estimates only consider it, you know, the playoff expanding to eight teams just to be on the conservative side. Mm -hmm. Um, when, When you look at the potential earnings there, for an 18 playoff or a 12 team playoff. Did you did you guys take into consideration, I'm sure you did, the opportunity for them to potentially, I guess, farm this out to multiple media rights holders rather than just to ESPN? Because I believe that's kind of what this is going to if they were to wait till 2026 instead of renegotiating the current deal with ESPN, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the kind of the undercurrent thinking for all of this is that it's a competitive environment for all of these rights. And with Amazon diving in with the NFL and with Apple seemingly diving in soon, I think you have this good mix of these legacy partners, the Fox's ESPN with these digital new entrants. And so that's what keeps the environment competitive. And if we didn't have these digital emerging companies, you wouldn't see the growth that we're seeing here because you wouldn't get that sort of multiple bidder, multiple platform impact. And so this is kind of continuing with the annual growth rate we've seen of media rights over the last decade or so of sort of five to 7% across pro and college sports. We expect that strong marketplace to continue. But, you know, I've been saying in, in thinking all along that with these new, like Amazon and a, and an Apple, you know, think about how much more you're worth to those companies than you are to ESPN, right? They're selling seemingly everything uh, that you buy to you. So your lifetime value to Amazon is a heck of a lot higher than your lifetime value is to a network that just is selling you ads, right? So you know, this doesn't assume any big game-changing economics, but I think that wouldn't really surprise me either if we throw these economics out the window. 
for completely new business models from these new guys. More from Matt after this break. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're looking here in less than a decade, the SEC potentially doubling or almost doubling at least the, mm-hmm. their revenue. What kind of, not to say fallout, but what kind of uh, effect could this have just when we see coaching contracts? Obviously, we're, you know, they're dealing with NIL with players, not mm-hmm. necessarily directly, but there is still out there this idea that maybe in the future, you know, players, student athletes might actually be considered employees and the schools might be paying them. Do you, Uh do you see a situation here where maybe a lot of these conferences and for that matter, these schools as a result are trying to prepare themselves for that possibility here within the next decade where they're having to spend more money, where there's coaching contracts Uh and potentially the huge tag along of paying players? Yeah. I mean, I think if I'm an administrator, I'm thinking about these things and maybe creating a piggy bank for what could be coming. Look no further than the pandemic, right? As evidence of surprises happen. And I think it caught a lot of schools flat-footed having to borrow from their campuses. So, you know, you you the the recruiting game is tough. So you want to build great locker rooms, have great coaches, and you know, especially with transfer rules and name, image, and likeness, you want to appeal to these to these students. So the tendency and the temptation is to spend and to to stay top of mind. And but I think as a risk averse person, personally, if I'm if I'm there, yeah, I'm preparing for some of these forces you're talking about. But at the same time, our forecasts are if things stay status quo, this is right. where we see them going. So, you know, with, I saw, what was it, an $8 million name, image, and likeness deal that is yes. maybe on the table. There's a lot going on right now in the current environment. And so no forecast is perfect. I mean, no crystal ball is perfect, but I wouldn't be shocked if, again, maybe all this gets thrown out the window, if some of these rules change, if if football is just too big to for the NCAA to continually monitor and enforce. I think we've written some pieces on, you know, there could be some super conferences if college football were to kind of separate itself from the NCAA and what that could look like. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of different scenarios and all of them fun to kind of think through. But yeah, if I'm, you know, as me, a risk averse, nerdy researcher, I'm putting some money in the refrigerator, right? And seeing waiting to see kind of what shakes out over the next couple of years versus maybe getting the, 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 you know, spending to get those new recruits in right away. Outside the SEC and, and Big Ten, 
I know uh, George Kalavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12. He's I mean, he's got a background in 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 multimedia and, and handling rights. So he worked for Hulu, for goodness sakes, and uh-huh. he's talked a lot about trying one to to stop them from hemorrhaging so much money with the Pac-12 network, which they they own and they just have had troubles with since the day they launched. And he wants to improve their strength in that realm, just when it comes to their rights. And you know, you look at the the estimates here. You know, obviously everybody's going up with the Pac-12, not necessarily making a huge jump. What do you see for them when it comes to just to multimedia rights in the future? What can they do to to improve their status? Yeah, I think it wasn't that long ago that the Pac-12 led all of Power 5 in media rights payout per school. And that was because of some of that early innovation with opening up new windows for Fox and ESPN that they hadn't had before. And uh, the network concept was a was a great idea. But yeah, such a tough time getting distribution with that. And it probably surprised them as well. So some positives, some negatives for where they're sitting today. But I think with the Pac-12, uh, they have a lot more control than any of these other conferences. So they have some room to be creative, right? And so I think if they want to kind of take that next risky step forward, they can look at some of the more innovative things that are happening in sport and try to lean into those and be first to those once again. You know, things like even on the basketball side, right? And I've been talking a little bit about this in the media that so many opportunities to grow the game in creative ways, preseason tournaments are something that have been talked about at the conference level. Think of a mid-season all-star game like the NBA is doing. Think of the rise of college or uh, women's basketball and women's sports and the name, image, and likeness era. Look at the $8 million name, image, and likeness deal. There's money out there for that brands are spending, that media companies have to spend, that these digital partners have to spend. If you're willing to splinter up your rights in creative ways and and um, uh, just do creative things, I think you could get into a scenario where you get that next level of jump beyond kind of what we're talking about here. It just and maybe it takes some Hulu type experience, right, to think outside the collegiate box of where things could be. And another quick point is that. We've looked at the relationship between media rights revenue and just how many fans different sports leagues have. And far and away, the NFL has squeezed more money out of on a per fan basis than any sports entity in the US. It's not close. And we see these big numbers for college football and big forecasts, but the reality is there's still only 50 cents on the dollar uh, per on a per fan basis than than the NFL. And so what is the NFL doing, right? They're selling rights that aren't even exclusive. In some cases, you're seeing single games on multiple platforms, you're seeing sponsorship, national sponsorship deals kind of being plugged into media rights deals and great B2B activity where all stakeholders are finding great and creative ways to get in the door even expanding the number of games and playing every day of the week at seemingly any time of day. So the money is there if the creativity and the openness is there. And yeah, I think that surprises people that even with this, you're only 50 cents on the dollar of what the NFL has been able to build. And and NBA and NHL, you know, they're between that 50 cents to a dollar. They're probably 60 cents, 70 cents on the dollar on a per fan basis again. So definitely some room still to 
to push the envelope and be creative. Just because I don't understand it, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know who understands it. What does the metaverse hold? Oh gosh, f- for all of us in this. <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? We <laughs> so we all at Navigate, we all got an Oculus for holiday gifts. So we've got a virtual office that we meet in from time to time. And that technology really impresses us. We're even having client meetings in the metaverse now to kind of talk through what we're seeing, how what we're seeing and experiencing could come back and improve the fan experience and improve engagement for those leagues. But that's the exact type of thing where if you're the Pac-12 or even a G5 school and thinking, man, how can we really break through here? Yeah, the metaverse and NFTs are all fun ways to to think about. So the future is there. I, you know, Facebook is hiring metaverse employees much faster than any other segment of their business. And so this this army of programmers is is I think a leading indicator of where we think financially some of this money is flowing. And again, if I'm that risk averse administrator, I'm thinking long and hard about where to put my money and maybe the the metaverse and and how to pull in recruits, but also create more avid fans and maybe expand your fan base. There are great ways to do all those things if you dig deep. So excited to maybe meet with you this time next year in the metaverse through this meeting and we can really figure it out together. My thanks to Matt Valvance for joining us on the College Football Daily to crunch the rising financial projections in college athletics. You can follow Matt on Twitter at MValvance. You can also follow me at BMarcello. For our producer Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll chat with you again Monday.